Do you know what happens to you when a bank or financial institution files a suspicious activity report? I'm sure most of you don't, and I want to go over that with you in this video and also talk to you about how the dangers to us, small business owners, entrepreneurs, small time, you know, smaller investors, they are enhanced greatly since the Corporate Transparency Act has been enacted a few weeks ago. Hi, my name is Don Thornton. I'm your wealth legacy partner, and it is my sacred duty to help you avoid the landmines and all the horrible stuff that's going to start happening to us, those of us, because we're all peers here, when the Corporate Transparency Act starts to bite. Now, it hasn't really hit people yet, so there's a lot of denial out there, but I'm going to go over with you now one of the huge dangers to this. So, um, you know, just before I get in, get into this, just got to do my disclaimer that I am not a licensed tax, legal, or accounting advisor. This is not tax, legal, or accounting advice and should not be considered so. This is for informational purposes only. And you should always seek advice from a licensed professional before you enter into any financial transaction. All right, so I just want to give you a quick review here of what the Corporate Transparency Act is and what the dangers are. So um, you may or may not know, but it is a new law that was passed in 2021 as part of the National Defense Appropriations Act. And it is one of the most restrictive and anti-small business uh, laws ever enacted in our country's history. And of course, they always say, well, we're doing this to fight money laundering. We're doing this to fight terrorism funding or drug trafficking or human trafficking and blah, 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 blah. Okay. They want to get into our pockets and they want to do it in a way that is draconian as possible. It is run this whole new law here. The implementation is run by the uh, Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, whose sole responsibility is to root out money laundering and prosecute for financial crimes for the federal government, which gives you an idea of what they think of when they're targeting people like us. All right. So there are, I'm not going to get into the huge thing here. Suffice it to say that they are creating a, a, a huge database and it is only for corporations and LLCs, uh, and with with uh, the income requirements are if you make more than five million dollars a year in gross receipts, and you employ twenty or more full time U.S. based employees, then you are exempt. And there's a whole line of exemptions out there besides that: nonprofits, government, anything having to do with banks, investment, insurance. I mean, I'm not going to go into all of that, but suffice it to say. That you know, if you've got a sniper scope, you know, and you're you know, with the grids and the scope, and you can see who they're targeting, they're targeting small business owners, entrepreneurs, and investors who make less than five million in gross receipts. A lot of us don't make that, or the ones, even those of us who do, rarely have 20 or more full time US based employees because it has to be both, it can't just be one or the other. So, the idea is they're going to force us to register everything that we own are a part of up to 25%. And there's a lot of subjective subjectivity here in vagueness or anything that has any entity where we have substantial or significant influence or control. That's 
this whole vagueness thing just freaks me out. Okay. But anyway, what they want to do is to, is to shut down shell companies, holding companies. They want to bring everything into the light. So that way we cannot use what were formerly very legal tax uh, reduction strategies and, and strategies to help us keep our privacy and our anonymity. That's all going bye-bye with this law. Okay. So uh, that's what, um, that's what uh, this you know, introduction of this law, but there's three major dangers to this law. And number one is the filing and the upkeeping of records with FinCEN is full of landmines. I've talked about this in other videos. I'm not going to go into great detail here, but it is a landmine, retroactive fines, criminal charges. It's going to be a nightmare. The second one is, is that once we get, once we voluntarily, with a gun to our head, <laughs> put all of our information in there, and once they have an exact, you know, every, all pieces of the puzzle, no missing pieces, they'll be able to see exactly what we have now. And what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go start auditing our previous returns, and they're going to compare what we put now and what we put back then. And if you are naive to think they're not going to start auditing and going after previous returns to see what you were hiding then or what you know you were and it could be perfectly legal i mean listen most of us are doing legal things strategies you know you know what we had in holding companies what we had in wyoming llc's things like that well they're going to get in there and they're going to check and see and compare and they're going to say oops you owe us money so that's the second big danger and the one i'm going to talk about mostly in this video is about the banks they have co-opted the banks and financial institutions to be their eyes and ears for any transactions that could be considered suspicious, odd, unusual, don't make business sense, don't make financial sense, and so on and so forth. So, um, and the danger to all of us is that you know our accounts can be frozen just like that. And they will, they can and will be filing suspicious activity reports. And that's what we're going to refocus on that in, in greater detail because I really believe that most of you out there don't understand the danger and why it's so important to exempt ourselves. Okay. So we're talking, let's let's get in more detail about the banks. Like I said, they are co-opted uh back in October. Uh, I had a conversation and one of the people at the law firm that I work with, you know, we had a conversation with a, a VP, an executive of Citibank, and they were talking about the Corporate Transparency Act and what they're doing. And this guy was very candid about what they were doing. They were treasury agents that were in the branches. They were uh, you know, training staff, tellers, bank employees, people in the fraud department you know, wire departments, you know, all the applicable departments, they were training them on the procedures and what to look for. And I find it very interesting, the criteria they're looking for to discuss or to determine whether something is a suspicious activity or not, and what they should do, should they find something like that. And I, I just mentioned that they, you know, if it's, if they consider it to be suspicious, odd, unusual, and this is what make this is what really gets my goat here is that they're going to determine if my business makes a transaction that doesn't make business sense, economic sense, or legal sense. So you know I have a number of businesses. 
I obviously you see me here and I work with a law firm and I, I promote this and, and that's a revenue stream for me. Full disclosure. Uh, I have a real estate investing business. I do consulting. I sell courses. I do affiliate marketing. I do day trading. So I have different, different um, uh, income sources, income streams. So especially think about short sales, right? I mean, I, you know, I, someone, a, a, a homeowner owes more than what their house is worth. And my company negotiates with the bank to try to get the bank to discount the payoff of the loan. We make our, we make our profit on the difference between what the bank takes and what we can sell it for. That, that, that uh, uh, spread is how we make our money. You know, do you, do I really have confidence that some flunky in a, in a bank in, in my bank account, you know, in the institution I use for, for my banking, do I have full confidence that that person or those people are going to know what makes business sense? I mean, they have no idea what my business is. And yet someone there is going to be, you know, has been, has been tasked by FinCEN, again, which is in charge of going after money laundering and financial crimes, they're going to make the determination about whether what I do makes business sense or economic sense or legal sense. And that is what is so dangerous about this. Okay. Uh, and that is just unbelievable. That's something that I just, you know, uh, just scares me to death. Now, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later in the video, but thank goodness I have an exemption. I run my, my business for an exempt uh, entity. So I don't have to worry about all that stuff. But those of you who haven't made that decision yet to shield yourselves, well, you're right in their crosshairs, okay? So let's talk about what is a suspicious activity report. All right, now I'm going to read this directly from FinCEN. This is, their, this is the regulation that governs when a banking or financial institution decides to send a suspicious activity report. So I'm going to read this. So I'm going to, you know, forgive me for not looking at the camera 100% of the time. Okay. So financial institutions has reason to suspect a transaction or pat a pattern of transactions is a part or involves funds derived from illegal activity or is intended or conducted in order to hide or disguise funds or assets derived from illegal activity, including without limitation the ownership, nature, source, location, or control of such funds or assets as part of a plan to violate or evade any federal law or regulation, okay? Or it has no business or apparent lawful purposes and is not the sort in which the customer would normally be expected to engage and the financial institution knows of no reasonable explanation for the transaction after examining the available facts, including the background and possible purpose of the transactions. Financial institutions may also file a fit with FinCEN a report of any suspicious activity or any suspicious, suspicious transaction that it believes is relevant to the possible violation of any law or regulation, but whose reporting is not required by 31 CF Chapter 10. Okay, that's a lot, but that's a lot there. But I wanted you to hear the actual language from FinCEN. Now, there's three things here that really stand out, all right, especially in light of the Corporate Transparency Act, the ownership or control of such funds. That was in that, in that um, language from FinCEN. 
has no business or lawful purposes. It, it, you know, the, the financial institution can report or can do a, a FSR report if it believes it, uh, it is relevant to possible violation of any law. Okay. Now, adding the Corporate Transparency Act to this mix puts the Bank Secrecy Act, which was which was enacted in 1970, which is what started the suspicious activity reports. I can tell you as someone who was in the financial industries and had a licensed mortgage broker for a lot of years, I know all about suspicious activity reports. You know, it was all designed to say, okay, where's the money come from? Is it, you know, it was all, the, the whole focus was on drugs, was on, you know, money laundering, things like that, okay? But you see now, you got the Treasury Department, FinCEN's in there, and they're talking about the other emphasis now is on what law they talk about. They're talking about Corporate Transparency Act. You know, is this a possible violation of the Corporate Transparency Act? You know, and, and the language here is significant where it talks about the ownership or control of such funds that are being, you know, moved through the system. So think about you know, what's the focus of the Corporate Transparency Act is who owns what? Who is considered a beneficial owner of your company? Are you considered a beneficial owner of, of whoever is doing a wire or some kind of financial transaction? Okay, so it is so vague and so the language, this law is so vague and so subjective. And there's so much pressure being put on banks and financial institutions then what do you think is going to happen? I'm pretty darn sure what's going to start happening is, is they're going to pull the trigger and ask questions later. And that is what is so scary about this. And I'm not even talking about them preemptively uh, freezing bank accounts, which they're already doing. Uh, they're closing and freezing uh, uh, bank accounts. You know, the, the, the trend is like this. I mean, you go back, just Google the amount of, of frozen accounts and and, and uh, accounts being closed by banks, you know, premature, preemptively, and the numbers have just been skyrocketing in preparation for the Corporate Transparency Act to come into effect. So that's already happening. And judging by what this this you know uh, some of the conversations we have with with people highly placed in the banking industry, they're going to be doing this more and more and more. I mean. This one guy at City, he thinks they're going to start. They're going to be freezing thousands of accounts every month, and that was his opinion, right? We'll see if it, if that's the case or not. I'm not meaning this as a fact. I'm just saying this is what we're hearing. So you know, take it for what it's worth. I tend to think that he knows what's going on, and so I'm tending to believe more what he says than people who might poo-poo it and say, ah, it's just a bunch of crap. Well, maybe it is. I hope it is, but you have to be ready for it if it's not. Okay. So now I want to talk to you about. What happens to you when a suspicious activity report is filed? And again, I don't think people understand just how vulnerable we're going to be and what bad stuff is going to start happening to us for what we think is an innocent thing, which some flunky at a bank thinks it isn't, or is like, well, I'm not really sure, so I'm just going to pull the trigger anyway. Okay. So, what are the consequences of that to us? Well, for one thing, you know, the suspicious activity report, the SAR report, now is sent to the criminal division of the Treasury Department, okay? And you are given a criminal number by the Treasury Department. Pretty scary stuff, huh? Right? Now, 
all this information, now that you're been flagged and you have a criminal number with the Treasury Department, that is all sent to uh, relevant um, uh, federal agencies like the FBI, Homeland Security. They, it's also going to go to every law enforcement agency has access to this. They get access to your information and they are being encouraged, encouraged. Okay. The pressure is on for them to start looking into anyone that now has a criminal number with the Treasury Department and how it relates to Corporate Transparency Act. They're going to start looking into you. And if they haven't done it already, then they're going to start freezing accounts and assets are going to be uh, seized and this investigation to go through. And they're going to go through your stuff with a fine tooth comb. And here's a frightening statistic. Only 1% of funds frozen are ever returned. And the very vagueness and subjectivity of the law is going to give them the justification to not release your assets and not release your front, your funds. Because they're just going to say, I'll tell you right now what's going to happen, is they're going to say, well, we believe that this person or these people are actually beneficial owners of your company and you didn't report that. So therefore you're in violation and this is all forfeit. This is forfeiture to the federal government due to money laundering statutes. And that's that right there. This is what happens when you have a SAR, a SAR report filed by a banking institution. So if that doesn't make you want to go out and buy some Depends diapers, then, then there's something wrong with you. You're in a, either a very, very high state of denial, or I don't know, maybe you're just stupid, okay? But for me as a normal citizen here, has had a business, been, been a serial entrepreneur since I got out of high school, I can tell you that I never wanted, you know, government, too much government oversight in my businesses anyway, even everything I do is 100% legal. I pay my taxes, the whole nine yards. But my question is, why would you want to voluntarily put yourself in that position to be to have that kind of a spotlight on you? And again, for all you people that are saying, oh, I obey the law, it's no big deal. I have nothing to hide. Well, again, you're the danger comes from the banks. It comes from the flunkies. It comes from those people that don't understand your business and what is completely legitimate and no problem and is actually a part of how you do your legal lawful business, they may not think that. And they're going to, in this environment right now, they're going to pull the trigger first and ask questions later. And then you're dragged into all this stuff that I just described. So why would you want to do that? Okay. The, the companies that are making $5 million or more a year and have more than 20 full-time U.S.-based employees, they're not going to get looked at like this. The, the charities, the non the, the nonprofits, the banking, the financial ones, the insurance companies, all those 24, 25 uh, entities that are exempt from this law, they're not being looked at. Only us. We're the only ones being looked at. So logically speaking, you want to move yourself from that group with the spotlight and put it over here with the exempt entities and run your business through an exempt entity that's not being looked at and doesn't have that micro not, not have that big spotlight and you're not under that big federal microscope. Okay. So remember, this is important. I'm, I'm imploring you to think about this. Okay. Protect yourself 
protect your livelihood, protect your family, protect what you've built. Okay. And we can help you with that. I've been working with uh, attorneys who have been, who've been uh, creating these structures to exempt people from different kinds of things. This is obviously a new thing, but since the 1950s and we can help you, but you have to reach out. So down in the, um, description of this video, you're going to see how to reach out to me. And uh, I'll send you a webinar that I've done recently that shows exactly what's happening and how you can exempt yourself. And then once you get a chance to, to uh, watch that webinar, then let's schedule a time and I will go through your, your unique situation and we can show you a roadmap on how you can exempt yourself and you don't have to lay awake at night wondering what's happening and why some flunky in some financial institution or bank could rip your entire life apart. So I'll see you then.